you're a dog owner, you know taking care of your pet means more than just giving him food and water. Dog is part of the family, and his health and happiness are important to you. I've been telling you for a while now about Rough Greens and how it's changed Uno, and it really has changed Uno. He is a different dog. He is always trying to play. It is. I have to videotape. He's got this weird way of playing. He comes up with a ball, and he wants you to take it out of his mouth, and then he jerks away and he won't let you do it and then he goes and hides and then he comes back and does it again anyway um he races to his bowl now to eat and it's because i am now putting rough greens on top of the kibble food that he gets all of the nutrients that are missing out of most dog food are in rough greens you need them get a free bag of rough greens for your dog to try out all you do is pay for the shipping uh just go to roughgreens.com slash beck or call 833-GLEN-33 that's 833-GLEN-33 rough greens r-u-f-f greens.com slash beck we have a power hour coming for you uh next it is uh carol roth the author of the war on small business you don't want to miss a second of this hour Welcome to Monday. Uh, I have never done this, I don't think ever, where I have spent an hour on a podcast and released it, and then the following day had that guest on to do an hour with me on radio. But I think this woman's voice has to be heard. I think if you want to understand what's really coming your way, this woman is a former investment banker. She used to help small companies get big. Now she is looking at the big companies going, oh my gosh. And she's very worried about the small companies. You know, the moms and pops, the people like you. This is the only person that I have heard that has uh, can speak with real authority, that understands fully what is coming our way and is actually concerned about the average person, not about their stock portfolio. You do not want to miss a word of my podcast with Carol Roth that came out on Saturday. And this hour to continue our conversation, Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business in 60 Seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So Terry lives right here in Texas. He writes in about his experience with the relief factory. He says, I struggled with pain for quite a while. I mean, my lower back all the way down to my legs. I heard about relief factor, decided to give it a try. Within a couple of weeks, I was totally pain free. It is incredible to me how much, how many people I have told about relief factor because it has made a huge, huge difference in my life. I think it will help others. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Thank you, Relief Factor. Terry, I know how you feel, and you do kind of become an evangelist for it uh, once you once it works for you. And it works, let me put it this way, 70% of the people who order Relief Factor go on to order more month after month. 
they'll tell you, try it for the first three weeks. And if it's not working for you, don't take it anymore because it's not going to work. About 70% of the people go on to order more. Relief Factor. ReliefFactor.com. 800-583-84. ReliefFactor.com. 800-583-84. My uh, my surgeon told me uh, last week I've been having face surgery because of cancer on my face. And he said to me uh, last week, I think we're going to get to know each other quite well. And he called over the weekend. He said, I got to go back in. I'm like, oh, you ready for another round? OK, bring it on, brother. Let's see how your face looks after this round. Um, but uh I feel the same way without the scalpel, the knife or the fight uh, or the cancer about Carol Roth. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of her and uh, we will become close friends. She is somebody who I absolutely believe gets it on what's coming our way and a voice that needs to be heard. Her her book is called The War on Small Business. She's here with us now. Carol, welcome. Glenn, thanks so much for having me back, and I feel exactly the same way, and I promise uh, I may bring a scalpel, but it's going to be a scalpel on what is going on (laughs) in financial markets and with the government and decentralization. I had two very powerful Washington, D.C. people write to me this weekend and say, I've never heard of Carol Roth before. She makes everything make sense. So let's talk about Let's talk about uh, what you know. Where do you want to start? Well, let's just start with the overarching theme of what's been happening over the last, call it, 16 to 17 months, because we have seen the government use the excuse that one person's plight is going to justify disregarding the rights of others. That's what they've been doing. They have been picking winners and losers. They've been deciding who is essential and who is quote-unquote non-essential, the most horrible thing a government entity could tell a person Mm -hmm. or a business. And they've been doing this not based on data or on science, but based on political clout and connections. And that has enabled the biggest transfer of wealth that we have ever seen in all of history. And it's been going from Main Street to Wall Street, and the power has been consolidated from the little guys to the big guys in the club. And so, I feel like that is the overarching thing. So let's, let, let, let's break that down a little bit. By picking winners and losers, um, they said, don't go to your Ace hardware store. Don't go to the local hardware store. Don't go to the, the local paint store, whatever. You've got to go to Home Depot. You you they left these giants open while they closed all of the local businesses. Absolutely. They were the the very first. If you look at the very first mandates that came out in Ohio, led the charge on this and a bunch of others followed suit. They were all the small entities. They were small retailers. They were gyms. They were restaurants. And lo and behold, as you said, the big guys were able to be open. The one that I found just so completely absurd was that you could get your dogs 
hair and nails groomed, but you personally couldn't get your own hair and nails groomed. And there's no data or science to say that that was okay. And then they doubled down on it. So it wasn't like they did this for the 15 days to slow the spread that we're now like 500 days into. They continued to double down on that messaging. And it got so absurd that at later in the year, as they started doing reopenings, you would have places like New York saying, oh, if you're a bar, you need to serve food. Uh, but, you know, if you have chips, that's not good enough. You need to serve dip with it. So, like, what's the science behind oh the fact that the dip protects you from COVID? So what is your theory on why they did this? So this is all about decentralization versus centralized power. If you think about the economy and you kind of divide it right down the middle, you have half of the economy that is decentralized. It looks a lot more like a free market. This is the small business side. And this before COVID was about 30.2 million small businesses that really exemplified the free markets. The other half of the economy is in the hands of about 10 to 15,000 big businesses. And this goes for GDP and jobs. So if you are a politician who is trying to consolidate power, you're trying to get more under your purview, you're trying to get lobbying dollars, you're trying to get uh, more support maybe for your own campaign, it's much easier for you to deal with 10 or 15,000 big companies than it is to try to corral the 30.2 million small businesses. So I think that that is the driver. But whether you think it's nefarious, intentional, or incompetence, the fact of the matter is that the big government has gotten so big and so out of control that the result would be the same, whether or not the intention is that the small businesses are too small to matter or too hard to control so they the, what's interesting to me is in 2008 they said these banks are too big to fail right. which implied we should make sure we support the smaller banks um to you know get these other banks to a pay for their own mistakes and grow uh, grow the um the the banking sector if you will grow it out not up and in and it would provide some stability but that's exactly the opposite of what they did and they're doing it seems like they're doing that again this time with small businesses yeah i'm so glad you brought this up this is the perfect example so back in 2007 2008 the banks took on too much risk and that created these horrible consequences for the economy not just here in the u.s but worldwide we all paid the price but as you said they were too big to fail so they got a taxpayer bailout the slap on the risk that they, they the slap on the risk that they got was in the terms of legislation dot frank and they said, ha ha, we are going to rein in these big banks. Even though they're too big to fail, you know, we, we've got to make sure that, that we make room for the little guy. But the effect, the outgrowth of that legislation is it stopped the formation of small and community banks. It put a bunch of smaller players out of business and it completely killed off small business lending. At the same time, the big businesses 
businesses now had no competition. They also had basically free money from the Fed being pumped into the system. And so the small or the big businesses got bigger and big business lending went through the roof. So what was meant to rein in the big banks actually gave them free reign. And now contrasting that to what's happened this time, small businesses didn't take on too much risk. It's not that that they needed a quote-unquote bailout. They were mandated shut. So compensating them is basically eminent domain. Their property was taken, quote-unquote, for the good of society Mm -hmm. under the Constitution. And so that's not a bailout. That's due compensation. But they were told they were too small. They were told they were non-essential, too small to matter. I, I've, I've never been, uh, I'm not a lawsuit guy. I hate lawsuits. But uh, if there is one case that the United States government should uh, be sued and pay out, unfortunately, it would be all of us at the bottom of the ladder that would be paying it. So it would just end up hurting us. But it is for closing all of these businesses You put all of these businesses out of business. You had no right to do it. They only did it under duress. At first, they did it for the first 15 days. Fine. But once they started to say, we're not going to make it, they would try to open up. They couldn't. They went out of business. Whose fault is it? It's not theirs. It's not their fault. It is the federal government's fault. Nobody's even really talking that way. I know. I mean, they're gaslighting us. These are the the two biggest myths that are out there right now is one that we had these full lockdowns and we were all in this together. We were not all in this together. As we talked about at the top of the hour, the big companies were allowed to continue. Wall Street was propped up. If you had let you know, Amazon get closed down, if you had had Walmart closed down, if you had your local liquor store closed down, if you had let the, the stock market uh, you actually act like a market and, and react to what was happening, this wouldn't have lasted you know, maybe even two weeks, maybe three on the outside. So we were not all in this together. And then in terms of the compensation, people will say, oh, well, they got PPP relief. People don't understand that the amount of PPP relief was not only a fraction of the overall like $6.6 trillion that had been spent uh, on relief, but also a fraction of what was needed to shut these businesses down for months and months on end. And the real tragedy of this entire thing, in addition to obviously the subjugation of the rights, is that they wanted to do this right to begin with. They could have done compensation right out of the box to small businesses, let people stay on the payrolls, stay employed. It would have cost them about a trillion to a trillion and a half dollars, I project, based on the numbers. And they could have bought themselves several months to figure out mitigation strategies, but no, that's not what they did. This was not something that uh, they just gathered in the middle of the night and said, we've got to close everything down. This is something that either the Fed or the Treasury, excuse me, either the Fed or the Treasury walked in to the Oval Office when President Trump was the president and said, here's the plan to do it. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about how much of this was just, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks and how much of this was was planned? And why would you plan something like this? We'll go there in just a second. Give me one minute. 
to tell, tell you about Built Bar. You know, a man reaches a certain point where he says to himself, self, I've had enough of working out. I've had enough of these uptight gyms with their exercise machines and their weights. Most importantly of all, I, I've, I've had it up to here with these vile, disgusting protein bars that taste like they were made to torture prisoners. You know, well, I reached that point. I mean, I, I've had enough of the gyms. Oh, my gosh, I can't take another second in one of those gyms. Now, that, that moment of getting sick of stuff that's uh, good for you lasts uh, or it happens about every three minutes from the minute I wake up. You can't find a good version of exercise. I'm trying. And you can't find a good version of a protein bar. Aha! I'm here to save the day. Built.com. Built.com. Amazing flavors. Low calorie, low carb, high protein, high fiber. It is the next closest thing to the fat pill. You know, we've all waited for that. How do they make these things taste really good? Using real chocolate and keeping them healthy for you? I don't know. I'm not asking any questions. I'm just eating. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Get 15% off your next order. Built.com. Promo code BEC15. 10 seconds. Station ID. So, Carol, how did all of this happen? So I always like to follow the markets as a signal. And if you look at what happened at the beginning of 2020 and, uh, you know, kind of January into the beginning of February, you had the stock markets hitting all-time highs. So even though this virus was going on in mm-hmm. China and there was a little bit of spread, you saw that, that the markets here in the U.S. said, you yeah, know, we're not really that concerned about it. At the very end of February, all of a sudden, the market took a nosedive and just you know went off a, a cliff. And so, you know, at the time, we were trying to get our heads wrapped around it. In retrospect, we found out uh, through through an article that there was actually a leak. That there was a, a think tank discussion, and members of the administration had basically said, "Yeah, you know, thing, things are starting to trend in this direction in terms of what we're planning to do." And so the market got a whiff of this, and was, the insiders were able to sell off before Main Street, of course, because that's mm. you know what always seems to happen in our quote unquote free market. Um, and so you know, you had uh, the, the Fed then come in and say it was going to stabilize the market and started providing support to the market before anything else was done. And I thought that that was fascinating. The most important thing they felt was to provide support to the market. So that kind of tells you all that you need to know. And then the administration came out with this 15 days to slow the spread plan, uh, which was absolute lunacy because it gave the blueprint to all of these governors to make these decisions, and Ohio was really early on, and you know each governor thereafter kind of said, well, this provides us cover to do the same thing, and it started like with this slow power grab, almost like testing the waters, like, can we really get away with yep. this? And then they just said, oh, really, we can? Okay, we're going to do more, and we're going to do more, and that sort of ballooned up. And then the, the government had an opportunity at the federal level to throw a lifeline. So they were the ones that could have said, well, if you're going to do this, you know, we're going to backstop it and make sure that it's constitutional and make sure that we save these, the small guys because that's what we're here to do. And they just chose absolutely not to do that. And anybody with half a brain cell 
could have figured out what was going on. Um, I had raised the issue in March of 2020 before we even knew the numbers because it was so transparent. But the way they structured the program, the first tranche of the PPP didn't even make it to the tiny small businesses. It went to Kanye West and Tom Brady and Floyd Mayweather because of the way the government structured it to begin with. So it was just kind of, you know, slow burn. Could we get away with it? And every time they got away with it, it you know, it's like the slow creep. It's like this blob that, that spreads and takes over everything. How much of this is related to um, the Great Reset? Yeah, it's interesting. So there's this concept out there from the World Economic Forum, and it's their projections for 2030, so not that far in the future, saying things like, you will own nothing and you will be happy, which as, you know, as somebody who's uh, very focused on property rights scares the bejesus out of yeah. me, and, and we would only have renters. And so you know, that kind of ties into everything that's going on with the CDC moratorium on evictions, which again makes so much sense that a, a, a health organization would be setting economic policy outside of Congress, yeah. right? And that you've got these small landlords who are basically being thrown to the side, making it very difficult for them to keep um, the, the places or even want to keep the places and keep renting, knowing that the government can interfere in this direction at the same time that you've got all of this money going to big uh, professional investors who are coming in and buying up housing. So I don't know if this is uh, you know, happening at a global level on a coordinated basis or if they put this idea out there and others act up, acted upon it here in the U.S., or if it's just a coincidence because mm. at the end of the day, big entities want to grab power, and that's human nature, Correct. and that's why we resist central plan. I just want to go over what you just said because I don't, pe- I don't think people really understand. Right now, prices have gone up through the roof, 25 26% uh, for a new house. And that's not just because all of a sudden we're buying again. It's because the Fed is making money so easy for big people to get that these giant hedge funds are taking the money with no real risk and they're buying up entire neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods. Yeah, there's actually a great article in the Wall Street Journal that came out in April talking about this. And uh, I believe it was a D.R. Horton um, neighborhood that instead of selling them to individual investors, they sold the entire neighborhood to a hedge fund at twice the price that they would have made selling it to the individuals. Why would they they why would they do that? Why would they do that? All right, back in just a second. Her name is Carol Roth. Uh, she uh, will join us for the back half of the hour in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you love cooking outdoors, taking a thick marbled steak and tossing it on the grill, if that doesn't get you excited for dinner, I don't know what will. If you're going to cook outdoors... May I highly recommend Rectech. Rectech. Once you've given Rectech a try, you will, you'll, you'll, I guarantee you, you will say there is nothing else on the market like it. I think it is head and shoulders above any competition. 
And the reason why is because they're not paying a third party. They're not paying the middleman. You can only buy them online. But these were designed by grillers. They were designed by people who go and do competition of the best, you know, barbecue, et cetera, et cetera. They are rough and tumble. They are so sturdy. They'll last forever. They have smart grill technology that keeps track of the internal uh, temperature. It adjusts itself as necessary. I mean, it is just the best of the best. R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. That's Rectech.com. Check them out. AV Compare. But if you like cooking outdoors, you will find nothing like a Rectech. Check out my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, every weekday, 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, or anywhere and anytime you get your podcast. Carol Roth is the author of a must-read book, The War on Small Business. If you want to understand what our country is doing to the little guy, you need to read this book, uh, written by Carol Roth. Uh, she was uh, my podcast on uh, last week's podcast came out Saturday for, you know, wherever you get your podcast. Listen to that. Um, it is a really it's a fascinating hour that has, I think, more truth to it than you will find in most podcasts, especially when people are talking about the economy. I have been looking for somebody like Carol Roth that knows how to break it down to people. And who sees the same style or same, we we may not agree on everything, but she sees the same growing state as the problem and the end of capitalism if we don't wake up. Uh, Carol is uh, joining us now, uh, and I I wanted to talk to you about uh, a little bit more about the CDC, but I want to talk to you in a different way. The CDC, everyone knows this is blatantly illegal. The CDC cannot make laws. But this is, I mean, this is after, you know, FDR. This is Woodrow Wilson. This is everything the progressives have wanted for a long time. Take it out of the hands of Congress and put it into the hands of uh, the, the elites and the scientists and the experts. But this is not going to stop the the. The real question is, if we're going to allow this to continue and set this precedence, what laws will the FCC begin to write? What laws does the DHS have in uh, DHS, the DHS have in store? The FDA, the Department of Education, the Department of Energy. The precedent is set. They now can write laws themselves without Congress. How dangerous is this, Carol? I mean, there's nothing more dangerous than this. And the fact that Biden himself said, quote, the bulk of constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster from somebody who pledged and affirmed to protect and uphold the Constitution is absolutely mind-blowing. And it is blatant tyranny. And this is all part of what can we get away with? What rights can we subjugate so that we can put more power in the hands of a few people, whether or not they have the authority, the legal authority to do so, and have them make decisions with force, 
with coercion, with control, with opacity to that basically affect all of our lives. And this moves us away from freedom, whether it's it's overall freedom, economic freedom, towards central planning. And this is absolutely frightening and something that everybody should be pushing back on. Fortunately, we are seeing lawsuits. Um, but you know, even though we had them previously, and even though the, the Supreme Court said, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be doing this again, they're still testing the waters. We all should be standing up and saying absolutely not. Well, them. they're doing other things. They are killing the farmer and the small rancher. They are just killing them right now. I'm afraid, uh, you know, I have a farm. I'm afraid I'll lose my land uh, because I won't be able to afford the taxes because of Green New Deal or or something like that. Uh, am I going to am I going to be able to drive my own car there now? They said this was not going to happen, but there is uh, in the infrastructure bill. There is now what is it? Uh, miles traveled uh, or miles per vehicle traveled, something like that. Um, this new tax where they're going to track your mileage and then charge you a tax for the miles that you're you're doing. They are just they're closing the doors everywhere. I'm, I'm afraid if I don't have a green house, if my house isn't weather stripped the way they want it, if it's not, you know, uh, uh, efficient enough that they will tax me even more or force me to do that. Is this the kind of stuff that's coming? I mean, I, I think it's already here. I mean, if you think about the fact that we've had members of Congress go out and personally attack individuals, whether or not you agree with the big guys and, and think what they're doing are, are correct, you shouldn't be having someone like Elizabeth Warren saying, Jeff Bezos, we're coming for you. I mean, that's frightening just on principle, the government singling out individuals. And we're seeing them interrupting wealth creation opportunities. We're seeing that lead to disruptions in economic freedom. That then leads to disruptions in overall freedom. And if you look at what they're doing in terms of the laws, the purview, the amount that they're spending, I mean, this is looking less and less like a free market, like a free nation, and much more like something that, as I said, I call it central planning, but socialist, whatever word you want to use, where you have that scary control, which is, you know, exactly what the founders did not want for this country. Well, it it frightens me when they say they need to get a hold of those people who uh are not experts people like me uh you know who are spreading disinformation no i'm not i just disagree with your information many times or the conclusions that you come uh come to um you know when they want to silence people like that they're coming again in the infrastructure bill they're coming after bitcoin why why would they come after bitcoin i mean so that they're coming after Bitcoin for the same reason that they come after small businesses is because it decentralization threatens central power and control. And that's exactly why people are focused on Bitcoin, because they see what the government yep. and central bankers have been doing to the currency. And they want something that's outside of the scope of, of politicians and decentralized that, uh, you know, that they believe can't be manipulated by government entities. And that is a 
threat to the people who control the money system. Because if you control the money, you control the power. And they don't want to see that happen. Not only that, but they want to be the ones to have not a cryptocurrency that would be on a blockchain and be transparent, but a digital currency, something that they control digitally that's very opaque, where they can make the decisions on whether or not you can access that money. You know, this is all about, again, control and getting to, you know, are you a good enough person? Can you be deplatformed? Can you have access to your money? These are the kinds of things that, you know, we do not want the government to control. And that's why they see crypto as a threat. Because they will say um, the way that, the, the way that modern monetary theory works is if they can control the money, then they can control inflation. Uh, because they can just have people not buy any of that. So your dollar will not allow you to buy that on Amazon or at the store. You can't buy it for a while because there's too high of a demand on it. That, I mean, that's the thinking, you know, if you can call it that, behind the inflation uh, ideas behind modern monetary theory, which we are absolutely doing right now. I, I was just going to say that. I mean, the worst part about modern monetary theory is that we are enacting it. We are doing what's called monetizing our debt, which means that the government can spend and then we don't have to go out and find an investor to put up the money for that spending, that the Federal Reserve goes out and buys that debt and puts it on its balance sheet. It's like, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, putting it from one pocket into the other and assuming that that's not going to have any consequence. And you don't have to be an economist to know that actions have outcomes. And it may take a little while for those to work its way through the system because it's very complex. But there is an outcome that happens when you do that. And unfortunately, I think it's part of the reason why the Federal Reserve has been keeping these, these interest rates artificially low and facilitating this transfer of wealth because they know that right now we're headed towards $30 trillion uh, in debt, and that's going to continue to grow. We can barely afford to service the interest on the debt now as is. When interest rates start to rise, that is going to become untenable, and they don't have a plan for that because there isn't a really good plan for that. And so they're trying to figure out what to do and kicking that can down the road. Isn't that where the digital dollar comes in? You know, everything that they're doing right now is based on smoke and mirrors, right? When you print money, they're not actually printing a dollar. They're just putting in a digital account entry. It allows for this manipulation. Again, we've talked about if you and I went in and put money into our account digitally and fudged our accounts, it would be considered counterfeiting. But when the Fed does it, it's considered monetary policy. And yes, I think that, you know, anything, any tools they have to continue to fudge and to prolong whatever that outcome is they are going to use because it's how they keep the power so any idea on what the average person can do to prepare for this uh or to to fight back <sighs> you yeah. know i think <laughs> 
This is the uh, the thirty trillion dollar question. Um, certainly, you know, in terms of spending your own dollars, you know, I'm an, an advocate of keeping the decentralization in mind. So, if you have the opportunity to support small businesses and make sure that they have as much strength as possible, uh, and not just support the big companies, I think that helps to some extent. But some of these are bigger policy issues. Um, you know, most people don't go around calling their their representatives and saying "rain in the Fed." I think it's time. I think it's time that we educate people to call representatives and say "rain in the Fed." They're past their mandate. The fact that they've got more than eight trillion dollars created out of nowhere on their balance sheet, and that's coming at the expense of savers and retirees and small businesses in Main Street, is absolutely disgusting. We need more people to stand up on that, and we need to be supporting people who are really going to start to focus on ways to pare back the government because a lot of people on, on uh, you know, one side of the aisle have said, oh, I'm a fiscal conservative, I'm for small government, yet the debt continues to grow, the purview of government continues to grow. That strategy hasn't worked. We need to get more people in there that are going to pare this back. Um, and then, you know, be, besides that, then, then we're getting into like, cra- you know, crazy ideas, yeah, <laughs> like, no. you know, national divorce and whatnot. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know where it goes from there. Yeah. Carol Roth, author of the book, The War on Small Business, a must read. Buy it now wherever you buy your books. If you can buy it at a local bookstore, that's great. Otherwise available at Amazon, The War on Small Business. Carol Roth. Uh, We'll talk again, Carol. Thank you so much. Glenn, thanks so much for the platform and for supporting small businesses and the little guy and these ideas. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Carol Roth, The War on Small Business. All right, let me tell you about uh, Car Shield. Used to be a time when something went wrong with your car, you could pull it into the garage, grab your tools, go fix it. I mean, not me. I mean, this is when men were men, and I was still kind of me. You know what I mean? Uh, but you could go and you could get the parts. Now you can't do that. You can't fix it. They they won't even they don't even want you to open up the hood. It's crazy. There are what fifty million chips in my car now. I think it's all made with chips, and they are out of stock. So when you go to fix your car. You are probably in for eh, probably a pretty big bill. Know what I'm saying? Especially if you're out of warranty. Get Car Shield. For a covered repair with Car Shield, it is the best. They'll take care of the repair with your choice of the mechanic. You get the roadside assistance, the rental car. It's a breeze. It'll save you thousands of dollars, and you're not waiting for the insurance company to, uh, to kick back so they'll cover your check. They write the check. To the mechanic car shield it's a win-win they'll help you get back uh when you are in a pinch get back on the road without having to be on the hook to pay thousands of dollars visit carshield.com slash back and save 10 percent carshield.com slash back deductible may apply you're listening to the glenn back program all right you're gonna have to help me out now i am a doctor right I'm a Kentucky yeah. Colonel, so I'm a Colonel. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm hmm. a. Well, we both are are reverends from the Church of Universal Life, Modesto, California. <laughs> right. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've got, I've got a lot of titles behind me. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. I can't figure this one out, and so I just need some help. 
female prisoners in the state of California apparently are uh, finding themselves pregnant in the central California women's facility. Hmm. Uh, and uh, hmm. we, we, we can't figure out why. Now, some haters would say because you just put men into the prison. Oh, those people are. Oh, my gosh. So, such hate mongers. They, uh, they, they, they monger they and mock, hate. They, and they mock science. Yeah, they, they mock do. science. They do. Uh, because those are <laughs> women. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now. They identify as women. Right. And I don't. Yeah, because they're. Well, they're not women. Well, they well, are women, Pat. Gosh, are, I was almost falling into that women. hate monger's yeah, trap. Don't, don't do that. Even though they still have male parts. They still have the man unit. Yeah, but they don't. But they're women. Yeah, and they don't identify with that part. So, if well, they, I mean, they probably identify for a night right, or for two. a night, you know, but it was mm-hmm. just uh, so now the all female prison is having to pass out condoms. Now, I don't huh. know why you would need a condom really strange for women on women, you know, sex. Mm-hmm. 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 So um, hmm. it is something that we can't answer. You know, <laughs> science doesn't have all of the answers yet. No, they don't. And uh, don't. this is just something that we should look into. Not too, not too hard, but we should look into. We should just mark as one of those mysteries of the universe mm-hmm. that when men become women, mm-hmm. they apparently can still impregnate uh, impregnate another woman, even uh, though they're women. Yeah. Yeah, as long as the man unit is still attached uh, to their body, they they can indeed. Oh, man, it's what? It's weird. I don't know how that Maybe happens. Maybe she they... was trying to just say, "Let me see if I can help it fall off." Maybe that's Maybe. what was happening. I don't Maybe. know. I don't. Again, it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> wow. When will science catch up? I just don't know. May never. We yeah. may never. Yeah. At this rate. Well, so congratulations on all of the babies that will be being born soon in the California women's prison system. This is the Glenn Beck Program.